here's what we're going to cover today. Uh, bottom line on this for today's session going forward, from this point forward, there's going to be a lot more charts. There's a lot of lecture that's packed into the first four months. And now we start tipping the scales towards more charting as we get into the last six months of class. Um, it's interesting to read the headlines. I could put, I could read you what I have in last year's notes. And it, it, it's interesting. While the numbers are different, it's the same stuff that happens year after year. I was hearing something the last couple of days saying that the uh, the NASDAQ has recouped 50% of its loss from the peak down to its low and back to where it is now. And so you hear that type of news in the financial press. We hear about um, the debt ceiling and what's going on with that. And you got Biden and, and what's his name? The, uh, Kevin, the guy from Bakersfield, McCarthy, <clears throat> saying that, you know, they both want to avert it and that they're going to get it done. And then Biden takes off and McCarthy says nothing's going to be going on until he's back and blah, blah, blah. Whatever message you want to hear in the, in the, the press, in the media, in the talking heads, just listen for a couple minutes longer and you'll hear it. Whether you want to hear a bearish message or a bullish message, you'll hear it. The reality is all you got to do is watch the charts. Take a look at them. Chris is going to run through them today. And the charts don't lie. And once you understand how to read the charts and then you couple that with having your, uh, your, your psychology, your mindset in the right place, then it's just a matter of executing. Um, <clears throat> as we go into the summer, be prepared. A lot of your, you'll see a lot more trades showing up on the 55 and people misinterpret what I say or misinterpret that as I say it. There are no more 55 trades now than there were when you go into the fall winter season. It's just that now there are fewer good looking trades showing up on the bigger charts. And so more of your trades are likely to show up on the 55. But the quantity and availability of 55 trades is pretty much the same throughout the year. It's just that there are fewer trades on the bigger charts as we get into the summer season. And so having said that, you read the charts. When they indicate that we're going down, you trade down. When the charts indicate that we're going up, then you trade up. And don't forget the weekly. The weekly is what keeps you out of trouble. Also go back, read the historical monthly guide. It says in there to expect heavy profit taking the last half of May. Now profit taking your initial reaction would be, oh, that means it's gonna drop. Remember profit taking, true definition of that, it moves in the opposite direction of what its most recent move has been. People are taking profits off the recent move. So if the recent move has been up, profit taking will be, it sees, it sees it as a decline. If the market has been moving down, profit taking would be a retrace where it climbs back up. Okay, so all you gotta do, you're trading the indicators. As you go forward, moving into the summer, as I just said, right, you're checking the market calendar. You're reviewing your monthly charts, at least at the beginning of every trading season. There are not that many catalysts once we wrap up earnings in April and going into May. <clears throat> Typically, you'll see the market will react by driving towards something. 
could be down a certain percentage, could be up a certain percentage, could be a spot on the chart, you know, usually ending in a zero. So, it, you know, the S&P 420 or 4200, the Dow, whatever the value it is, things like that. In the summer, you've heard me say it many times in the POWs class, the trading volume is lower. Over the next couple of months, you're, in fact, next couple of weeks, you're going to hear it a lot more, and then you'll hear it throughout the summer. And that's Bob Pisani coming on the on CNBC early in the morning. He's going to say, well, folks, you know, there's not much volume these days. And he says it every single year right around this time. Should not be a surprise. To avoid the surprises, keep your eye on the historical monthly guide. As we move out of the transitional season and into the summer trading season, you should expect a shorter holding time frame on your trades, and it gets shorter and shorter as we get deeper and deeper into the summer. So at the beginning of the summer, you might see trades lasting, I don't know, three, four, five days, if that long. As you get deeper into the summer, moves will go down to about two or three days. And then a lot of times you'll see it go sideways and then it'll move for another couple of days and then go sideways. And it just kind of stair steps. In the summer, when you see that happening, the charts may not strongly indicate there's an exit. Your trading options, you're gonna to wanna to exit anyway. You're gonna find situations where you don't have the five reasons to exit. We talked about it in an earlier fast track session. I think it was in March when you're out of profit but you learn to, to just exit the trade anyway. So in the summer, a lot of your exits end up being just because. And it's because the market tends to vibrate around. It's not a chart thing, it's an art thing. And you'll learn to develop a feel for it. Because remember, when we're trading, it's always about the chunk in the middle. And as you're in the summer, because we tend to vibrate around, we may get some volatility here with this debt ceiling going on between now and 1st of June, but you're gonna see that the market will just vibrate around. Also, during the summer, you cannot beat yourself up, you can't kick yourself when the stop keep when the stock keeps moving after you get out. And the reason you can't kick yourself is that it could just as easily have gone the other way if you'd stayed in. So you learn to read the charts, take the chunk out of the middle. Typically in the summer, the market goes down initially, and then it'll move up and down and up and down almost in, in a rhythmic fashion. And now what gets frustrating or challenging or annoying is the exact same chart setup that you see in the summer, where you're learning to get out in a, in a rhythmic um approach now as you transition in the fall winter season we get into september october you're going to find that same looking chart set up will end up lasting longer and it'll frustrate you the first couple of times it happens when you do this enough you'll get to the point where you can expect it and you can see it coming and you'll be able to see exactly when the summer season ends if you do enough work and do this over enough years and it, I don't know how best to describe it other than you start to recognize it almost subconsciously. 
keep in mind we talked about this before the continuation indicator on the charts of the four indicators is MACD but you don't just rely on MACD if that were the case I'd get rid of all the others we'd just trade MACD it doesn't work that way you've got to apply all that you know around how the end of their indicators move how they interrelate with each other and how they interrelate with the bigger time frames couple weeks ago, Berkshire had their annual shareholder meetings held in Omaha, um, as they've done for the past, I don't know, handful, two handfuls of years now. They open it up to the world. They stream it over the web. If you didn't see it, it's, it's worth going back and watching it. Um, it's a great, I don't know if I call it exercise, it's a great learning experience to learn from a couple of masters at this. But what happens is Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, who's his, kind of his right-hand lieutenant, they get on stage on a in a building that's Omaha's version of the crypto or the Staples Center, I guess the crypto.com arena or whatever it's called here in LA where the Lakers are playing. If you're in LA, it's not nearly the size of I can never get used to call it the crypto center. It's not nearly the size of the Staples Center. It's more along the size of the Long Beach Arena, if you've ever been in there. And Buffett's Buffett's right-hand guy, again, Charlie Munger. He's in his late 90s. He lives here in Pasadena. Um, Munger, I think, is 99, if I remember correctly. I think Buffett's like 92, 93, something like that. What they do is in this large for Omaha arena, they hold court in front of about probably 20,000 people. They go, they spend a little bit of time talking about Berkshire's business, and then they open it up to questions from the public, and they sit and hold court on this you know, large table sitting at one end of the arena, all the lights are on them and everybody else around is just glaring at that and looking at a couple of overhead TVs. Um, I, I went once probably 10, 15 years ago. Uh, very interesting to go. I don't need to go every year. I, I don't need to go again just to have gone once to see what it's all about was good enough. Um, and they're answering questions. And I get a kick out of some of, some of the questions are good. Most of them are not. Um, and I'm sure, you know, somebody's going to tell his grandkids, oh, I asked Warren Buffett a question back when I was 28 years old. You know, and the question is, you know, do you like hamburgers better than steak? I mean, it's, some of these things are a waste of time. What's interesting, Munger is known for his background. It's, he's a multidiscipline, a lot of experience in a lot of different fields. He's a lawyer by training. Um, he did a fair amount of real estate development. He's almost equivalent like a modern day philosopher. He has managed money. He's an economist. He's chairman of the board of something called, uh, what is it, Daily? I want to call it Daily Graphs. It's not that. Something else that he's got going on. But what he talks about is having experience and knowledge across many fields as being a requirement for success. His wit is amazing. He's got a very, <laughs> very biting sense of humor. Very, very quick-witted. And his quotes are classic. In fact, he's got a book that got an extra $75, $80. It's, uh, it's a very interesting read. It's uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac. And Almanac is misspelled. It's A-L-M-A-N-A-K. I don't know that you can buy it off Amazon. Um, I know he sells it. Um, the proceeds go, I believe, to the Huntington Museum or the Huntington Library in Pasadena. So he's not getting anything for it, but it runs about 75, 80 bucks, something like that. 
and it is not light. It's probably a good, I don't know, 15, 20 pounds. This is definitely a big, thick book. And it's a collection of his thoughts, his, his writings. He's done a number of graduation speeches over the years. And they put all these in a book. It's a fascinating read. Really, really interesting guy. Some of the quotes are th things that he speaks about. I'll say, you know, regarding competency. Competency is a relative concept. You know, as an example, if you're five foot two, you probably don't have much of, future, much of a future in the NBA. And if you weigh 350 pounds, you probably shouldn't be dancing ballet. But what he said, and what he says to follow, and then he said, what I need to get ahead in my world, in his world of investing, deal with money, is to be better than idiots. And lucky for me, there were a lot of them. So he's not saying that he's brilliant. He just needs to be a little bit smarter than the vast majority of the masses. And that applies to everything we do in life, including trading. Again, if you missed the Berkshire meeting, I know you can find snippets of it on YouTube. You got some time. It's worth watching. You'll learn something. It may be about investing in the stock market. It may be a life lesson. Um, the other thing, so you had Berkshire a couple of weeks ago. And there's also a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months ago now, there was something called the Money Show in Las Vegas. And there's another one coming up in Vegas, oh, probably in the late summer. I think they're back, back getting to their former uh, pre-COVID or pre-pandemic schedule. I don't know if these other shows are going to be there, but it used to be there was the money show that would bounce between Vegas and Orlando. About every six months, they'd land in one or the other. Then there's one that was called the Traders Expo that was in Vegas. That used to happen in like September, October, maybe early November. There was another Traders Expo that used to show up in Pasadena. Um, and, and you're going to start seeing these things. You'll see them advertised online. If you're thinking about going, I tell you to think about one important question to ask yourself. And that question is a one word question. And the question is why? <clears throat> because if you're not yet successful at this, and if you are interested in attending one of those shows, you might be telling yourself that it's because you've got some traits of a perfectionist that reside inside that reside inside of you. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that might be true, but realistically and practically, it's probably not. What your ego won't tell you is that you're simply looking for a shortcut. And the reason for the appeal of going to one of these shows is because you got tired of doing the work on this, you've had your butt kicked a bunch, and you're looking for something that's maybe a little bit easier, something you could add to this. But what you don't realize is you're gonna have that same discipline aspect on any other trading method you look at. So along those lines, you've been through now 40% of fast track, and I wait this long at the halfway point. Now we're at class number five out of 10. I'm going to give you the secret. It's not written in your notes, but I'm going to share it with you. So get your pen ready. The shortcut that you're looking for, let me tell you where it's hidden. It's hidden in the work that you're trying to avoid. So that shortcut that's out there, I know it exists. And I know it, it can be found in the work that you're trying to avoid. And what's happening 
is that you're trying to achieve some preconceived level of perfection, whatever that means for you. And you believe that there's some, maybe some slight little tweak that you can do that will get you there. And if I just described you, the reason you're not at perfection is twofold. First reason is perfect doesn't exist. Losses will occur. And the second reason you're not at perfection is you haven't done this long enough to recognize what is perfect. Perfect is not about 100% batting average. Perfect is not about making X percent on every stock trade or every options trade. It's not that at all. More importantly, if you go to these shows, you put yourself at a huge risk of listening to someone talk about something that sounds fascinating or powerful, and you're going to want to come back and test it out and then add it to your existing arsenal. You're going to add an extra arrow to your quiver. And if it doesn't work the way you expect, it doesn't work the way that the person described it, now what's going to happen is you're going to end up chasing your tail, trying to figure out why it didn't work. And then six months from now, you can zip over to Orlando and find something different or better. Six months later, you bounce back to Vegas. If they start doing those other shows in Pasadena once a year, you can bounce there too. And it's never ending. <clears throat> and how do I know this? Because I've done it. What happens also, I don't know if I would say equally important, it's probably even more important. What you've done is you've now, if you do, if you go down that path, you've trained your brain that it's okay to experiment in your quest to find, quote unquote, something better. And that something better that you should be looking for is actually you. It's not the trading method that's going to make you better. You need to find a way to make, to find and make a better you. Let me say it again, the shortcut that you seek is hidden in that work that you're trying to avoid. But more often than not, what's needed to make a better you is either or some combination of fat rat or working on your mindset or simply just more time behind the wheel, more practice. Here's something that's fascinating. Fascinating is the wrong word. I expect it. Here's something that's an eye-opener for you. It's very interesting that the people that are successful, they don't have any interest in going to any one of these money shows. Those that are a success, are a success they don't, they're not out looking for a shortcut. They're not looking out for something different or better. They know that to get better, they've got to work on them. A different way to explain that concept, uh, if you want to go read a psychology book, it's called observational bias. And the idea is that people look for what they're searching by looking only where it's easiest. Like, what does that mean? Uh, there's an old joke about a drunk late at night standing outside a bar and he's looking for something on the ground. It's under a streetlight. Police officer comes along. And ask the drunk guy what he's looking for. And the drunk guy says he's looking for his keys. 
and the cop's got time, so he does, you know, good community service, so he helps them look around. And they both look for a while, and then the cop asks him, where did he last see the keys? And the drunk guy points across the street in the park, said, well, I lost him over there. But it's dark over there. It's much easier to see over here under the streetlight. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, it's a stupid joke, and it makes no sense at all, his actions. But as traders, you do the same thing. We all do. We try to solve our trading problems with easy solutions. A different indicator, a different chart layout, bigger monitors, more monitors. We look for solutions in different places when the problem is. You got to challenge yourself by asking, what is my real issue in trading? Is the issue that you need a new indicator or a new broker or more and bigger monitors? Or do you need to put the weekly in the top row of your monitors versus the bottom row or some other BS excuse that you let your mind tell you? Explore that for yourself. And then ask yourself, if changing your way of thinking, your mindset was possibly the key to becoming a success, are you willing to examine it? In fact, do you even consider that it's your mind that it's the issue? In my experience, talking to a large percentage of you that are on the call and talking to hundreds, if not thousands of you that have been through the class over the years. It's the mindset that needs the work. What happens is you fall back on enjoying the chart work because it's comfortable and comparatively it's, it's easy, but that isn't where the problem lies. Just before the call, my, uh, my mother-in-law, who's almost, I think she's 89, and my sister-in-law came up for the weekend, just hang out for a couple of days. They, uh, they're both volleyball fans. There's a volleyball tournament on the beach just down the street at the Huntington Beach Pier. So they wanted to come up and just get out of San Diego for a couple of days, come up here to hang out and go watch the volleyball tournament. Not more than, it literally was like at 1130 this morning, um, my wife came walking in and said, hey, mom's looking for... Um, a good mindset book. Do you have anyone that's new? So I looked on the shelf and I grabbed a couple I thought she might like. And remember, this lady's 89. <laughs> so this is awesome that she's interested in. She's picked up books from me around and she comes back and she goes, oh, that was a great book. And she doesn't trade, but she likes to push herself. And <clears throat> so she was, I had one on the table, I guess, downstairs. And it was Goggins' book, recent book, um, Never Finished. And I walked, I had grabbed three other books and I walked downstairs and I saw her reading that one and I looked at her and she is deeply religious, right? She goes to church a few times a week um, and she's reading a Goggins book and she's, I could tell she's maybe eight or 10 pages in. And I walked downstairs and, you know, sitting on the couch and I, I sit down and I'm holding a couple more and she said, oh, you got some other. And I said, what do you think of that one so far? She goes, uh, she goes I'm not into it enough yet to know. I said, can I give you a heads up? I said, this one is probably, the one you're holding is probably the best book about mindset, but it is really intense. And this guy uses the F-bomb like you and I say the word the or and. And she looked at me, she smiled. She said, that's okay. If the message is good, that doesn't bother me. I said, no problem. Now, that's an 89-year-old woman. Look at the mindset on that. She's willing to take insight. And she's just looking to, you know, 
whatever it is that that she finds intriguing on reading on the self the personal development self-help stuff <clears throat> when you read if you listen to goggins old interviews and read some of his writings from way back when and i'm sure all of you know you know he's known for running a uh, hundred plus mile races ultra marathons i think his longest one he's run was a 250 i think either 200 or 250 mile race when he first started making and first became known and was starting to make a name for himself people would stop him either at races or even out on the street as he was working out say hey mr goggins david can you tell me i want to be like you tell me about your diet what do you eat when do you eat uh, how about your macronutrients how do you split them up what's the timing of it do you do supplements what kind of shoes do you wear what kind of laces do you put in shoes what kind of socks do you wear how about your shorts do you run with or without a shirt how about a hat time of day what's your sleep pattern all this stuff and goggins tells the stories in many an interview he'll say you know people come up and they ask me all kinds of stupid shit <clears throat> about those things that list of questions and more but the one thing, and he said, you know, people are willing to change. They'll change their shoes. They'll change their diet. They'll change their spouse. They'll change their name. But what they won't change is their mindset. And the mindset is the secret to this. Because they won't, and his, you know, to use his words specifically, they won't change their fucking mindset. They think it's all in the how to do. It's in the how to think. And he's speaking about it from running. But it applies in anything you're trying to do that's a challenge trying to improve in life. That guy could be a traitor. He's got the right mindset for it. Everything he says, change the word from running to trading, and it applies. Great book. We got an 89-year-old Filipino immigrant woman reading this stuff and some of you sit and whine and complain i don't want to read about mindset that's not my issue 89 years old she's still looking to improve her mind take a look in the mirror you should be doing the same all right let's go back to the trading season stuff um as i said earlier in the summer you should expect that the trade durations are going to be shorter you're going to see a smaller amount of time per trade you know, one day, two or three days, five days will be pretty rare. You don't want to stay in a trade that is no longer going up. It could just be going sideways. The chart may not say to get out, but your experience, your intellect, and your know-how will tell you to get out anyway. What you're going to find from this point going forward, the summer season and the fall winter season are usually pretty consistent. For the most part, the length of time in a trade is pretty consistent throughout. In the summer season, we're in trades for one to five days. Seven days is you know, very much an outlier. And again, as I said earlier, you're going to see a lot more trades on the 55. Doesn't mean you have to use it. If your schedule is such that you can only see the daily and or 233, you can't look at the 55, don't worry about it. It just means you're going to have fewer trades. Don't force it. You know, we're, we're only trading prom queens and if your schedule is such that you can't see the prom queen on the 55 that doesn't mean you go chase some fat 
pimple-faced, meth head, whatever, because it shows up on a daily chart. You only trade quality. Trades will show up on the daily or 233, don't get me wrong. But you're going to have to get out after a few days because they go sideways. You don't want to get whacked with time decay. And then you could look for alternative entry points on that trade, smaller time frames, once it continues moving. So an extreme example, let's say a stock's going to move uh, $10, $12 from its low point to its high point. You may end up capturing that in three or four different trades rather than just in one single trade. So in the summer, you think about getting in and out more often, even within a single movement that shows up on a bigger time frame. Going into the summer is the earnings season, and it's not uncommon to see a sell-off fairly hard. It's not a crash, but it's not uncommon to see. And go back and look at the charts over the years and you'll see that. And then you'll find that it's not, it's likely to meander just up and down through the summer. And at the end of the summer, you're going to expect the market to almost like you're turning on a light switch. It then jumps into the fall winter season. And in the fall winter season, you'll stay in a trade for days that sometimes can turn into weeks. Historically, that occurs at the end of the summer season. Very rarely does it happen in the middle of the summer. Chris, are you on? I'm on. Can you hear me? Yep, there you are. Uh, let's see. A couple of comments. Cool, cool. Chris, you want to run through some uh, market and sector stuff? Yeah, we can do that. All right. Let me flip it over to you. Any questions before we, uh, as I'm passing the ball over to Chris? A couple of comments from people. Is it me or is the audio cutting in and out? Um, I don't know. Chris, was I cutting in and out? No. So it's that person. <laughs> so it must have been that person. Oh, it was me. Oh, they, everyone's saying it was good for them. What kind of microphone are you using? Me? I am using a Yeti, <laughs> a blue Yeti. Tried something different this time. What do you wear when you trade? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Naked trading. I had to turn my webcam off. So I could put it back on if you like, but it's probably not a good visual. Uh, let's see. Somebody said you can buy Munger's book on Amazon. Yeah, you can. You can also buy it as a... Um, from, it's got something to do with the Huntington Memorial Library, I think is where it is. Uh, let's see, Snowball Book, written with Buffett is also fabulous. And, uh, Laurie, it's a great book. It, it, um, it talks about Buffett's history. I find it didn't have as much of the mindset that I really wanted. And it was great to know that, you know, he was recruiting doctors and that in the 50s and getting them to sign up for his firm or for the money management piece under, under Berkshire. Um, but Munger's stuff really gets into the mindset piece, and much much deeper, in my opinion, than Buffett did in Snowball. Um, but either of them are fine. I would just choose the Poor Charlie's Almanac over Snowball. All right, Chris, let me pass it over to you. 